Hey, Vintage Family, this is Ryan, and I'm here with Michael. Welcome to the Text Lab, where we do a deep dive into the text to help you prep for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples who make disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the Text Lab helps you have meaningful conversations about what God has said in His Word. Hey, this week it's John chapter 3, 16 through 21. So let's get into it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment that life has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You guys, this text is so important, so pivotal. I mean, you've probably heard John 3.16 many, many times in your life, whether it's on billboards or Tim Tebow's Eye Black, like this very popular text. But remember, this is a part of a bigger conversation. The text from last week that we read from verses 1 through 15 is a conversation with Nicodemus. This immediately follows that conversation, and you want to take that into context. So if you guys are with your groups, you might want to read 1 through 21, like that whole section in chapter three, just to kind of root yourselves back in the narrative as you get ready to understand what it is that God has for you in this text. That being said, there's a couple terms that are probably helpful for us to define. So we've got things like world, the sun, this judgment. And so what we'll do here for a minute is just kind of walk through some of the relevant background info before we get into guiding questions. So Ryan, uh, what's the world? What's going on there? Well, it's Like you said, one of the most famous passages in the New Testament. Uh, But what's interesting is we have to remember it's in that context of where we were last week, right? Where Mm. it's Nicodemus who represents the religious center of Israel at the time, and Jesus. And one of the things that I think Israel missed that was kind of talked about last week was this idea of where who inherits the kingdom of God, where salvation comes from. Uh, and for Nicodemus, it was through birth, and Jesus is presenting this new thing through, through the Spirit and through water. And when he leads into God so loved the world, that's what God's mm. always wanted. That's not a yeah. new concept. Um, I'll just give you some passages to go into the Old Testament if you want to check this out, but God's always wanted the world, right? Check out Genesis 12 verse 2, Genesis 17, 4 through 6, Genesis 22, 18, Genesis 26, 4, 1 Chronicles 16, 31, Psalm 2, 8, Psalm 22, 7. I could keep going and <laughs> yeah. you don't have to write all those verses down because yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to put them in That's the show right. notes. They right? will be in the show notes for you. Don't worry. But the reality is God has always wanted the world yeah. and he wanted Israel to recruit the world as well, to bring the nations into him. It wasn't about genetics. Uh, it was about God's will and God's always wanted the world. Uh, so that's one thing going on. The other thing that I think is really hard to pick out from our culture, because we just don't live back in the day uh, that they lived in, Yeah. but there's actually a play going on here with this word son. So the son of God. Interestingly enough, 
Jesus is not the only person in the Bible called Son of God. What? I'm, I'm shocked. Right. I'm blown away. <laughs> Tell me more. So, interestingly enough, na- Israel as a nation itself was called God's Son. And you can check that out in like Exodus 4.22. Um, Hosea 11.1 also talks about that. But Israel is called God's Son. That's good. And so you have Jesus... Uh, and that's why John says the one and only Son of God, because he's being contrasted. And you have the other Son of God, which is the nation of Israel, which again, remember, is represented by Nicodemus, the very religious center there. So this is really a contrast between two sons. And if you look at the text and the light and the dark and everything that's going on, and you think actually Israel is being contrasted with Jesus, you start to see different meaning going on in the text here. Yeah, you can kind of see this tale of two sons, as it were, that's happening, where you've got like Israel is very literally in the darkness. They're very literally condemning the world. Um, And then they're also the ones that God is really inviting into the light by believing in Jesus so that they could walk in truth and not in shame. So that's kind of what's going on there with the sons. That's what's going on with the world. And then the last concept that's really important is the idea of the judgment. NIV renders it the verdict. There is this pronouncement that's put upon all people that everyone's on the hook, no matter what. The whole world's on the hook. Everyone in Israel's on the hook, which would have been shocking to Nicodemus because remember, he thinks he's in because he was born a Jew. Well, he's not. That's not how it works. And that's what John is kind of spelling out here in this passage that everyone's on the hook. We're all condemned already. And the only way that we're saved is through belief in Jesus. So that's what's happening. That's what's being set up. And really what John is doing is, is there's this kind of, let's call it a triple entendre. Okay. You know, like a double entendre when you're watching Toy Story and they make a little comment and you're watching with your kids and you're like, <laughs> I know what that really means. Okay. That's what's happening in the Bible. There's tons of like Triple meanings, double meanings. There's a triple meaning here in this whole text. Where, layers upon layers. Yeah. John is talking specifically about an answer to Nicodemus. That's layer one. This is a response to the like Nicodemus, who is a representative, layer two, of the religious elite. He's a representative of Israel. This is an answer to Israel. It's also, layer three, representative of all humanity in general. You see, what John does in this passage and and kind of moving forward is, like we said last week, every one of these narrative encounters are representative of a people group, but they're also representative of wider humanity. So as you read, be looking for that triple meaning, that triple entendre for what's going on, because it's going to help you get to where we're going. One final note there uh, that, that Ryan, maybe you could comment on is there's a difference here between what the NIV has and what the ESV has, right? Like in one version, it's in red letters and in one version, it's in black. Why is that? What's going on? Yeah, well, the reality is, is that everybody agrees 100% of what's quotation mark or what's quotations from Jesus, what's not quotations from Jesus. Red letters indicate that this Jesus is speaking, but that's, that's, some other human, some other expert who's frankly smarter than me, deciding <laughs> me too. Yeah, that Jesus is speaking there. But there are other experts who believe he's not. So if you look in something like the NIV, this text is actually in black, suggesting that the interpreter didn't think that this is the words of Jesus. And in many ways, I agree with that because this kind of reminds me a little bit of like John 1, um, these big opening 
uh, big themed speeches that John gives, almost commentary on what's going on here. Um, and we're actually going to see another speech next week uh, mm-hmm. from John, his commentary on on the whole John the Baptist baptism thing going on too. So um, I think we're probably seeing John's commentary on here and, and a reminder that John is trying to get you to believe, uh, and here's where the shoe gets thrown because we keep throwing this at people, yep. uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's right. John 20, 31, somebody. 20, 31, it's burning man. your minds, right? <laughs> So he's given us the verdict. He's given us the reality. Yeah. And and what's helpful there is the fact that when we do life group, when we do this like kind of biblical interpretation stuff that we're trying to help people become self-feeders in, uh, what we're trying to do is really ask the question of like, what did John say and why did John say it? It actually matters more why John picked a certain word from Jesus or a certain comment from Jesus than the fact that Jesus said it himself. Like, frankly, I'd probably prefer it if a Bible didn't have red letters because it, or, or better yet, make them all red letters because it's all God's word, right? Like that's probably more helpful when it comes to interpretation versus giving like different weight to something based on the color of ink that you see on a page. That's why we want you to know that, that really in your group, don't get kind of lost in the weeds of if someone whips out their NIV, well, this is in this color, and someone else whips out the ESV, they're like, well, mine's in red, so it means Jesus said it. It doesn't matter either way. What matters is why did John put this here? So those three guiding questions you can ask all the time in narrative, what happened, why here, what does John want us to know, feel, and do? They work here too. They're going to work all over narrative. So That is your relevant background info. That should help you get there when you start to have your conversations, should help you avoid speed bumps, but also be able to navigate through uh, some of the little rabbit trails that might crop up. But Ryan, what are some guiding questions that we could ask as we lead people through the text? Well, I think the first guiding question that really comes out very clearly is that, remember, context Context interprets context. Mm. So we just came out of an encounter with Jesus and Nicodemus, uh, where part of the issue of what we believe in is the kingdom of God and who inherits the kingdom of God. Uh, And now we're going into this story um, about God wanting the world. And it wasn't just about Israel, but the whole world. So I think one of the important guiding questions that really leads the whole text is what's the significance or what's surprising about Mm. this idea that God loves the world in the context of in comparison to Israel, just loving Israel. What's surprising about that idea that God actually loves the whole world? Mm. And and part of what's cool about that too is like, if you remember on Sunday, we're recording this ahead of time, but we know it's going to happen. Like the world is kind of related to almost a dumpster fire in John. Like it's all those who've organized themselves apart from and against God and recognizing that we were once a part of that. Many are a part of that. And it's crazy that God says he loves the world. So maybe reflect on that for a bit. Yeah. And I'd also think take that a, a layer deeper into the mm. text. And what do you think a Jew like Nicodemus would agree, uh, would think about this? Would he agree with Jesus that God loved the world and came to save the world? Or would he believe that God came and loved Israel? Uh, so, and how does that impact Nicodemus's uh, ability to see God's will and to fulfill God's desire to reach the nations? That's good, because again, we're trying to get to the understanding of what's happening in the text first, right? And so another question might be along the lines of, um, okay, Israel, who is called God's son, is being contrasted to Jesus in this text, right? The only son of God. Um, why did God send his son to the earth? That's just a, that's a, again, it's kind of a basic question, but in light of that concept of like the first you know, metaphorical son that had their job to tell the world about God and bring people into the kingdom of God, failed at that job, condemned the world, 
is living in darkness and they aren't even aware of it, which is part of like the irony of Nicodemus coming at night, right? He's in darkness. He's representative of the people of Israel in darkness. Jesus is inviting them to him so they can live in the light, live in the truth. Why did God send his son to the earth? And and maybe just camp out there for a little bit with your group. And then finally, the last concept may be, how is this message hopeful to every one of his readers? So it's hopeful for the Jews. It's hopeful for Nicodemus. It's hopeful for the first century Christians, but it's also hopeful for us. And this will help you pivot to the big idea. How is this message hopeful to every one of the readers? And that being said, what's kind of the big idea, Ryan? Where, where do you think this text is taking us? What's the big idea of John three sixteen to 21? Yeah, I think the big emphasis here is that Jesus really is the only Son of God sent for all people. Belief in him, we go back to that thesis, right, means life in his name. So that life is characterized by what we've read in this passage, truth and light, and Mm. it's really being contrasted to the life that was being presented to the Jews, which was more darkness and brought pain. Um, So... That's the big idea here, that Jesus is that only true Son of God, actually fulfilling the purpose that God had to call the nations from the very beginning That's right. of his plan to be to bring all people to him. Right. The gospel is for all people. Yeah. It is. All people, no matter what background they're coming from. So even if you think about when we move into application, because this idea... Again, it's one of those things that people have probably seen, they've probably heard, they've probably memorized. Even if they're not Christian or didn't come from a Christian background, they've heard this verse most likely somewhere in the world. And what's going to be challenging is getting people to see this with fresh eyes this week. Um, But here's the crazy thing. We didn't plan for this to land on election week. We didn't. We didn't didn't sit down and say, you know what will really get them. Let's get this verse about loving people and God's love for the world right at the place. Like, we didn't do that. And what's crazy is, is that we picked this, this, this passage. We picked these, the, how to break them up. We threw them out on a calendar. And it's really obvious to see that God intended for us as groups this week to dialogue about this concept. And so you guys are really getting ready for something crazy because this week is election week. We're rolling into a time where all these like tensions that have been bubbling for this past, like, I don't know, four years, but also the past year in particular are going to rise to the surface. And as a shepherd of your group, as the life group leader, there's going to be a lot to navigate this week, practically speaking. No matter who wins, no matter who loses, something's going to rise to the surface. And it impacts every aspect of life. Like it's not just political. It's also, it's also racial, racial, it's cultural, it's, it's relational in people's family units. And so with that being said, Going into a week like this, I think maybe the most helpful question for application would be, very simply, what does this text demand of us this week? Because it does. Every time you read the truth of God, it demands something of you. If you come to the face-to-face with the truth, like gravity pulls you down to the earth at 9.8 meters per second, right? That demands something of you. You don't jump off bridges. You don't jump off cliffs, right? Because you know you're going to get pulled down. The same is true about this truth about God. He loves the world. The dumpster fire that is 2020, the, the, the every different ethnic group, every different racial group, he loves all of us and wants us to come into light and truth. So in light of that text, what does that demand of us this week? Ryan, what do you think? What, what does it demand of you this week? 
Well, you mentioned earlier that we have uh, the prophetic vision of knowing what's coming on Sunday. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, God sent his son into the world that's a dumpster fire. Um, that that has no more meaning than what's really going on in our world today. I mean, the world seems like a complete dumpster fire. And I think this text really brings to light some of the aspects of what's going on in that dumpster fire. And for me, when I think of what this text demands, um, what... John is saying here is, guys, heaven, there are going to be people from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every skin color, every nation on earth. Mm. If there are people, if there are individuals, if there are people groups, if there are tribes that you hate, that, that you don't like neighbors that you're like, mm-hmm. hey, that guy's just a jerk. What if that guy's in heaven with us, right? Like, what, yeah. what's that tension going to look like? And for me in real life, you know, that plays out in the tensions that I experience, you know? Uh, I'm on next door sometimes, and man, there yeah. are some nasty fights Let's I see go. on next door, and I'm just going to be honest, some next door fights that I've been involved in mm-hmm. um, with my neighborhood. And it, it, this just convicts me that I need to take a step back and realize... Yeah. God loves the people that I am so angry at right now. And I just have a funny feeling that when people are going to be listening to the podcast, there might be some anger going on in our world today. Um, And I got to take a step back in that anger and say, God so loved the whole world, every nation, every tribe, every language, every person, that he gave his only son. What does that say about my anger and hatred? I got to step that back. And how do I show that love on next door um, or at my work or in my community? How do I do that in my own life? That's good. Thanks, Ryan. That, that's a really helpful reflection, especially because like, I think it's easier sometimes to just get in our own camps and echo chambers that agree with what we think and what we believe. Um, but if God's really called us to uh, you know, walk in the truth and step into the light because of the truth, the truth is that God loved the world and send his son for the whole world. And so what does that mean when it comes to how we relate to others? I know for, for myself personally, this text could demand a lot because I've got family members on both sides of the political spectrum in just about every political question you could, you could ask. And I know that like uh, a week like this, and even like no matter who wins or, or who loses, who's still president, who's not president, who's the new president, like no matter what happens, there's going to be someone angered and someone maybe a little bit pridefully uh, let's say like feeling justified in, in whatever happens. Like, see, I told you this is what was right uh, based upon a popular voter in electoral college or whatever, right? right. And I think that there's going to be a real temptation for people to, um, to really uh, maybe plant a flag in this next week and, uh, and give in to their anger, as Emperor Palpatine would say. Um, <laughs> nice. But Star Wars I know for me, what I'm trying to do is kind of just take a deep breath heading into this week and recognize, all right, um, I'm not an overly political person. Um, I almost voted for Kanye. Can I say that on the podcast? All right. <laughs> I don't know uh, if you can say I that I almost publicly. did. Uh, I would not endorse that. This is not a vintage grace endorsement of voting for Kanye or otherwise. But 
I, I'm just not super into politics. And walking into this, though, it's sometimes I think I can get mad at people for being mad, if that makes sense. Like, I can get mad at people for getting frustrated. Uh, but then I recognize that I'm mad and frustrated. And that's the same problem. And then I have to repent and recognize that that I've messed up and I've missed it. And so I think for this week, what I'm hoping is uh, I can walk in just remembering like, hey, uh, God loved the world. And that included me, you know, like, yeah. I'm the dumpster fire. And, and, uh, I have every, I have every reason to be condemned. I have every reason to receive that judgment. And yet, um, I even want to live in the darkness sometimes. I want to hide my sin, you know, and like, yeah. but no, God's called me to live in truth and, and recognizing that I'm, I'm his son, and that he loves the world. And that's what enables me to be in the light is that truth. So man, I hope you guys are encouraged. I hope as you're sitting there walking in as a life group leader, you're saying, you know what? God chose this text for us this week and, and God has a good conversation for you ready. So, um, know that we're praying for you. We got your back. Okay. Like if you need anything, reach out to us. Uh, we want to be encouraging you, uh, as you walk into this next week. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. Our promise to you is this, we're going to do our very best to make this time valuable for you, the leader. If this helped in any way, let us know. We're, We're here for you guys. Hey guys, whether you're at the gym, whether you're mowing the lawn, driving, or whatever you like to do while listening to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the tech with your groups this week. And as always, do your own prep, especially this week. Let the Spirit lead you, especially this week. And know that you're one who is sent, especially this week, into your group, your family, your voting booth, your neighborhood, your communities, your pray watch friends, wherever God invites you, you've been invited to be living proof of our loving God. So we love you. We'll catch you next time on the Tech Slab. See you guys. And just remember, Joshua on the edge of the land, freaked out because Moses just died. Mm. Be strong and courageous. That's Be right. strong and courageous. Come on. <laughs> we love you guys. We'll see you. Bye.